Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to graduate nurse Molly Pratt. She has a really interesting and inspiring story on how she got into nursing and why she got into nursing. So we're here to meet her. Um, I'm Molly Pratt. I am from Armada, Michigan. I live around Shelby Township currently. Uh, I'm working at Beaumont Children's hospital. I was diagnosed with cancer in 2014. I was a junior in high school. We talk a little bit about how you got diagnosed with cancer, what that process was like for you, how you even came to find out that you had cancer at such a young age. Yeah. Um. So I actually had a lump on my neck and it was there for months before I said anything to anybody. And I had no like recognition of anatomy whatsoever because I had no interest in the health field um and I asked my sister I was like do you have a lump on your neck and I was like kind of comparing and I was like well it's okay she got her tonsils out but I had no idea your tonsils were in your mouth not down here on your like clavicle and so I was like oh okay well this is kind of odd and probably not normal and so I just kind of continued to see if it would go away and it never did it just kept growing so then I finally mentioned something a couple months after to my parents and then we went and got it checked out and it was so quick like everything happened so quickly I went to my doctors they got blood work my blood work was fine which is odd Mm -hmm. and then I went and got a biopsy done on it and like within that week I had gotten a port placed and like started chemo and it was just like insane everything came at you so quickly wow so did you have other than a lump there did you have any other symptoms were you feeling sick or did you have any other like fatigue or any other kind of symptoms that would go along with cancer not really no I was just kind of living my normal life and the only thing that really was different was I just I had this lump on my neck and it was there for a while and I decided I just I guess I should get it checked out but other than that I was living life like like any other high school student would be I understand that you um you went through a lot of fighting for this to get rid of the cancer can you talk a little bit about what experience was like for you? Well, at the beginning, it was really hard. I had just lost my grandma to cancer like two years prior, not even. And so it was very challenging because when you hear that cancer diagnosis, I didn't know anything about it. I just, you have that stereotype where like most people don't make it through cancer. I've had like been going through treatment. I realized how not true that thought it how many people actually are cancer survivors but as far as like chemo treatments and everything it was it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be nurses tell you all the side effects the doctors tell you everything that kind of what it's going to look like and I was like thinking of the worst and I was going to have like all these symptoms and like all that it would be the worst thing ever I even had like social work come and tell me that I might not be able to like go to school um because of my immune system and just I'll be missing a lot of school and I was like a rare case because I didn't like I was fine like my school worked with me so well I didn't miss any school I mean I did but like just Mm -hmm. for treatments and I would go get home and go to school the next day 
And then I really, the major side effect was losing my hair. Um, and I had like some nausea once in a while, but like, I just, the doctors were in awe and like the nurses were like um, amazed with how well I did with my treatments through it all. And then, so the first time I was cleared, I was almost a year without treatments. And then it came back again and like going through those, like getting a PET scan or just doing scans in general or like checkups, that is so nerve wracking every time because you don't know what you're going to see. Like before I ever had a cancer diagnosis, I would have never thought that the cancer diagnosis was what I was going to receive. Like that's not what any normal 16 year old is thinking of. So now that I've had cancer, every time I have a headache or every time I have a test done, like that, that's what's going through my mind. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have cancer. Like it's come back. Like it's, it's on almost unsettling. Yeah, I can imagine, especially at such young age, 16, when you're preparing to go to college and thinking about your future dances and homework and just normal social high school day in day life. I can imagine um, that a diagnosis like that at such a young age is really hard um, to process. But also, I think when we're young too, we're, we're lucky. We have such a resilience about us and a positivity because we feel invincible. You know, you're like, well, this I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy. Like I can do anything. And so I think on the flip side of it, there is a positive side of, of having that kind of young mentality of, Hey, my body is young. I'm not 80 years old going through this. I'm, I'm young. I am strong. I can fight through it. And I, I kind of want to touch a little, I mean, there's several things I want to touch base on here. I Just to kind of go back a little bit to the high school process of it. Can you tell me a little bit about how long your chemo treatments were? Because I know that sometimes they can, you can go for three treatments in a week and then take a break for a couple of weeks and go back. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what the chemo treatments were like for you? So I had three different, chemo regimens because it came back two different times after the original diagnosis. So the first time I had all outpatient treatments, I would come in, hang out with the outpatient clinic nurses for the day, which was so fun, and then get to go home. But then I would have to come back. I think it was like the day after and then like uh, once a week just to check on my counts to make sure I was doing okay and recovering well. And then the second time I actually ended up having to be inpatient every time because it was a more um, intense treatment. So I was inpatient for like four or five days at a time, which that could be hard at times. So it was really scary at first. And I almost like didn't know what to do. I was like, what am I supposed to do here for five days? I can't just sit around in my bed. And so that's when child life came into the whole picture. And they always kept me so busy during the week when I was there. And it was just so fun. They have a garden that you can go to and it it's inside. There's not like anything that like you would get fresh air from, but like, I don't know if it's the sunlight that comes in or what it is about it. But going into that room is like an escape from the hospital. Like it doesn't feel like you're in the hospital. So that was always my favorite spot to hang out in the hospital. It was a, it was a challenge because my hometown um, is about an hour from the hospital. 
And so it was a long commute. So I didn't really have a ton of people coming to visit me. So going through it and being in a hospital by yourself, I mean, my mom was always with me. So that was always nice. But it was, it was hard because like, you don't, and just being 16, not all my friends have their license. And like, it, it was hard because I'd never had my friends coming to visit me very often in the hospital. But then the third time as well, it was impatient as well for about four to five days as well. And the same kind of thing, like it was, it didn't feel real at first. And I still haven't like processed it. It didn't feel like I had cancer. I don't know why. Um, but I always tried to be so optimistic about everything that was going on because, uh, I, like, I always tell people, like, you don't get anywhere by, like, feeling bad for yourself. Um, and I even have told patients that, too. I'm like, I, I don't feel like I had got anywhere when I would feel bad about myself. The only thing that would make it, me feel down would be, like, myself. Like, I would feel sicker when I was, like not depressed, but like, I guess, for lack of a better term, depressed almost. Mm -hmm. And so I realized at that point, like, I just have to be optimistic and find the silver lining in everything that I'm doing, um, and everything that's going on. And so that's where the nurses and the doctors and my care team came into play, because every time they'd come into the room, they, they knew I loved sarcasm. So they would always like crack a joke or like, I love jokes. So every time I would come, they'd always ask me for a joke. Um, I had a little joke book that I would always bring to the hospital and always read them a joke. So it's like little things like that, that would make it so much better, like such a bad thing, like being in the hospital so much more encouraging and inspiring that they get to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And so as crappy as it was to be in the hospital, um, you always had to find the little things to make it much better for you. Yeah. And you're so incredibly resilient. I, I uh, would love to talk about how this journey and this challenge in your life, probably one of the most difficult things you've gone through personally yourself, having to rise above that and stay strong and fight for your life. Um, how that translated now into being a nurse at the very hospital that treated you, um, which is I mean, you kind of just came full circle. So I really want to talk about how that inspiration set into you, because I know at 16, we don't always know, um, you know, who, what we want to be or who we want to be or where we want to be. Um, but sometimes things in life, life altering things happen to us that really put us on the path and go, oh my gosh, in my heart, this is where I belong and this is where I go. And I feel like you had that kind of moment or moments while you were in treatment. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you got inspired and and tell tell everyone a little bit about where you are now because of that inspiration? Well, I was so inspired by all my nurses and just my doctors and everybody that was around me that was caring for me. And I had so many people telling me they're like oh my goodness you'd be such a great nurse um all my clinic nurses were like wow I can see you being a really good nurse and at this point in time I did not like the healthcare. um I was scared because anytime I would ever be in a hospital it was for nothing ever good mm -hmm. um but now I actually have the ability to work there and I just, I was so encouraged by all the nurses and I got to see more of what I just have 
as a perspective outside of the healthcare as like a patient or just a outside person coming in. I have more of a perspective on what nurses do now um, after going through treatment because I was always so curious on everything they would do for me. So I would always ask questions. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? What What is this? Um, and so like cancer really sparked my interest on the medical field and all the nurses, I can't like even express how much they helped me into showing me where my true calling was. I got to the point where they didn't even have, I didn't even have to ask anymore. They would just start telling me what's going on and tell me the procedures and what they're going to do. And I would have nurses like that would just come hang out in my room and just chat with me when they needed to like escape from what's going on. And I love that. I even had like some aides, nursing aides come in and like play games with me. And it's just like little things like that, that make me feel more humanized as a patient. And it made me realize like, wow, this is also like an amazing field to help people. And I love people. And then I realized that like helping people is what I wanted to do. So then I started considering nursing more and more. Um, and I originally wanted to be an agricultural engineer, which has really nothing to do with people. Um, and I'm very glad to say the least that I am not an agricultural engineer now. <laughs> I, um, I love what I do. Um, so then I decided to go to nursing school and I just had graduated from nursing school this past December. And now I accepted my position on the pediatric floor at Beaumont Children's. And it has been amazing being able to work side by side with like my oncology team, I think has been so much fun. Um, and being able to work with the nurses that had cared for me. Um, uh, one of the nurses that actually cared for me, Lori, she was my preceptor um, that I got to follow around for a few shifts which had been awesome. And I love being able to work with the HEMOC patients um, that were like me, like, and, and show them that there is like hope. And like, I don't tell every patient my story because I feel like it's not necessary to, but I had a patient the other day and he had just gotten diagnosed and he was having a really hard time. So I said, Hey, like, you can get through this. Like there's hope at the other end of this because like I was in your spot just a few years ago and it just, just the expression on their face once, once I told them that and even the family, it was really, and it was really neat to see that I'm now in the position to be telling people and helping people um, back to good health. And it's just, I don't know, it's really awesome. I love it. And it just, it puts a smile on my face every time I get to talk about it. Yeah, well, it puts a smile on my face hearing it. Um, I feel like everyone, a lot of people in healthcare, they all have an origin story, you know, and I don't work in healthcare, but I have a nurse origin story. I mean, that's why I've had such an affinity and love for nurses. Um, it's kind of how I came into MDF. You know, when I was young, I um, I had a chiropractor adjust me incorrectly and I didn't get letter oxygen to my brain. So I lost vitals, passed out, peed myself, the whole thing. And I woke up um, in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. I was in California all by myself and didn't have any family around. And I had this nicest, kindest nurse. And he like put socks on my feet and comforted me in such a way that I he took my fear away. And I went, wow, 
it's crazy how a stranger can bring so much comfort to you in the, some of the scariest times of your lives. And you trust them emphatically because you can tell that they have this care and this kindness and this desire to help you and heal you. Um, but I think it's so incredible and awesome that you have come all the way through all through the whole whole circle of just being from being a patient and having cancer and knowing what that feels like and going through chemo and having the nausea and losing your hair and it, all the while being so young too um in high school I, I that's just you know a, a really hard thing to overcome I think and then to just say wow I want to help people too I want to go I want to do this I want to show people that they can get better, that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that there is life, that, that we can fight, that we can do more. And that positivity and that inspiration, it's, it's contagious and it makes people go, you know what? You're right. I can beat this. And our brains are so powerful um, that when we tell ourselves we can do something, I think that we're way more likely to be able to do that. And I just, I love, I love your story. I'm so proud of you. I know that we just met, but I, um, I was really moved by your story. And I think a lot of people are because you have such a positive, a positivity and a light that exudes you. And you can just really tell that you have an empathy and maybe part of that empathy comes from the fact that you were there yourself. And so you know what it feels like, but on the other end, you also probably already naturally had an empathetic heart to begin with. And now that drew you into healthcare and it really is beautiful. You touched base a little bit about how you were working alongside some of the people that were caring for you um, back in 2014 and forward as you fought. So can you talk a little bit about those relationships like are like now and um, how proud they must feel? of you <laughs> I was actually inspired by like my clinic nurses but also the floor nurses um and when I graduated in December nursing does like a pinning ceremony type thing and I actually had Karen which is one of the nurse practitioners in the oncology clinic um come pin me at my ceremony um because she had been such a huge inspiration to me Every time I'd go into the clinic, she would always give me a nursing book <laughs> when I was going through school because she just had so much knowledge. And I I saw that she wanted to share it with me and share her knowledge. And I, and I loved that. But it wasn't just her. It was everyone else in the clinic, everyone else on the floor. They saw me and they always wanted to help me and they wanted to inspire me and it was just it was awesome I think it's so neat to be able to work side by side with them now and that all the knowledge that they have and they're instilling that knowledge into me and it makes me have hope when they when I hear people say that like they need more nurses like me and it is it really is warming to my heart to hear that because sometimes I feel like I'm not going to be a good nurse. So when all the nurses see me, they're like, I literally saw you at your worst in the hospital. And you still inspired me to go throughout my day. So I'm like, I know when you're not feeling your worst, that you are still able to go through the day and help people, even, even if you don't realize it. So many people have impacted my life and brought me to nursing. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the best way I can explain it, I guess. 
people may forget your name, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. It's something like that. You know the quote I'm talking about. Um, yeah. And not just in healthcare and in nursing, but I think in life as well. We can maybe forget a lot of things, but we're never going to forget how someone made us feel, how they were there for us or comforted us or inspired us or helped us get through some difficult thing that we didn't think we could get through. And it sounds to me that you were really lucky in the fact that you were surrounded by people who um, inspired you and moved you. And now you're doing that very same thing for other people. Uh, and it's it's just so awesome to see in the world really needs more of stories like this. So Molly, um, I know that you're new, you just graduated last year, um, and this is the whole nursing um, career is, you're still getting your feet wet, I'm sure. But do you have an idea of where you want to see yourself in the future, five years from now, or in the near future? I know that as a nurse, um, there's so many avenues you can take, especially as you can get into, but do you feel like you're kind of... Um, have an idea of, of where you see yourself? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I, I would love to say that in five years, I'm still going to be here, um, working at this hospital and maybe eventually further down the line, uh, being able to be a nurse in the clinic exactly where I was treated, but I really don't know. I'm just kind of taking it day by day and kind of seeing where my career leads me. But I definitely want to stay bedside with pediatrics. I, in the short amount of time that I've been working with pediatrics, I have fallen in love with it. And I just, I want to be able to do this every day. I hope in my future that I still am where I'm at today, but maybe in the clinic or something. Karen has high hopes that I'm going to take over when she retires. <laughs> but we I love where Karen's head is at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... That's awesome. Okay. Um, so I want to ask you, because you've been through so much adversity at such a young age, um, and been through so much and come out on the other side, if you could go back and tell your younger self something, a piece of advice or something you wish you had known, or any kind of advice for even people now, is there anything that comes to mind that you would want to say, hey, this is something I wish I had known or something I wish I could tell my younger self? I feel like there's so many things I would go back and tell myself. A big thing would be don't ever let anybody underestimate you. And I'm not saying anybody has, but I've been told that I can't do certain things. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, so definitely don't ever underestimate what you can do because you are your best advocate and you know what you can accomplish. You have dreams in you for a reason. Losing your hair, having weakness, like not being able to eat, nausea. I, I've only seen a little bit of how it's affecting my my dad. But um, just to give a better understanding of exactly how hard this was for you. Losing my hair was really hard. I um, The first time I actually shaved it off before I even could ever lose it. And then the second and third time I was trying to just kind of let it go and see how it went. Um, but the third time I was really trying to hold out for prom because I got, um, I had started chemo a couple weeks before prom. So I was like, oh man, like, let's just wait until prom before I lose my hair. And it ended up being three days before prom where I started having my hair fall out. So at that point I 
I couldn't anymore. And I just ended up shaving. I called, I called my, uh, my lady up and I was like, Hey, can you, uh, can you come shave my head? That was one of the hardest things to see was my hair, like falling out in clumps. And it's really hard to believe, um, when they tell you like, it's going to come out in clumps, like you're going to like be able to just like pull it off your hair. And I was like, no way. Like, that's just, that's so weird. And that is so true. Like I, my hair got matted and I was brushing it and it just like, it comes out in like clumps and you wake up and it's just like in clumps on your bed. And it's just, that was a, a huge challenge. Not the hardest challenge. Um, the hardest challenge for me when I was going through my treatments after my bone marrow transplant, I ended up not being able to walk. Um, the maintenance chemo, like had my muscle weakness. It like debilitated me. I, um, I started going down and I started with a walker and then I started that I progressed and I was in a wheelchair um, because I couldn't, I couldn't walk anymore. And that was the scariest thing ever. I would say I'm a pretty independent person. And so not being able to walk and not being able to be home by myself because I couldn't get out of bed by myself. I couldn't get up on the chair by myself. I couldn't even like get to the bathroom by myself or even take a shower by myself. Um, it was very, very hard. Um, and at this time I was in college, I was at my community college and having a walker, a wheelchair, I don't think was bad, but the worst part was the walker. Um, having a walker in college, walking the halls was, I was so embarrassed because I'm just like, wow, this is not normal for an 18 year old girl to be having a walker. And I had a very, like, very hard time with it. Like my mental health was not good going through all of that. And no one really understood what I was going through. All my friends were like, Hey, let's hang out. And I'm like, no, I don't really want to hang out because like, I couldn't go places very easily. It was really hard for me to, where I lived, I had like four steps to get up to my house. I couldn't walk up those. So I didn't want to ever go anywhere because I couldn't get up the steps by myself. Would never wish it upon anybody. Um, but now I can understand a little more where like, where my, when my grandma, um, when she had a walker and when she needed more assistance, and how it very hard for her to accept the uh, assistance that we were trying to offer or even with my patients now it's I understand because I had a really really hard time accepting help even though I needed the help um because I was so independent and it like ripped my independence away from me um at the age where I am just starting to get that independence because I'm an adult I'm going to college and off on my own. And it was just very, very hard. I, I don't even know how to really explain how I truly felt. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you have things that are out of your control and you have to just accept them as the new normal until you can figure out how to change it, you know, and sometimes you can't, sometimes things are just so out of your control. There's really nothing you can do to change it. But I, I wonder, um, you know, do you, how did you, how did you get through 
the mental health aspect, like the challenges. Were you journaling, writing? Were you talking to someone? Were you, um, were you singing? Did you have some sort of outlet for your emotions um, that you were feeling as you were going through all of this? Because it can be a very isolating feeling, I imagine, you know, because no one can truly understand unless they've been in your shoes. I, like I said earlier, I love people. People is like my out. I love hanging out with people. Um, so when I was at my community college, I was involved with a group. It's called InterVarsity. It's like a Christian fellowship group. And they were so helpful to me. And like, they even offered to like drive out to me and come to my house and hang out. And like, I surrounded myself by people that like wanted to help out. And it, it was hard for me still having that help. But after I accepted that I really needed this help, it was better. The people, people is what helped me. Um, and sarcasm is my coping mechanism uh, through everything. Um, maybe altering it a little bit. So I would have more enjoyable time through it. So I don't have like, having them come over and have a game night at my house so I don't have to leave my house and then my best friend we ended up going on a mission trip actually um and we had signed up for it before I got super weak and I almost canceled my trip and like I had my occupational therapist she was telling me like don't go on it my parents didn't want me going on it and I almost started to believe like I shouldn't go on it but then I uh, took that step of faith and like I ended up going on it and the very first day I was out of my wheelchair was the day I was boarding the plane so I was like oh but that was like what I said earlier like don't let anybody tell you what that you can't do it um that's kind of where that's coming from because so many people around me were telling me that I couldn't do it and that it wasn't a good idea but doing that mission trip was the step for getting me better because when I came back I like recovered like I was not on a I was not in a wheelchair anymore I was on a walker and then like within a couple of weeks I was back to like um they're called loft strands which is kind of like a crutch and then I was on a cane and then I was like almost back to normal within like a couple months of coming back and it like it really set a spark in me um mm -hmm. that I actually can't accomplish these things I just have to really put my mind into a really good mindset but like going on a mission trip, you're not focusing on you, right? You're not focusing on your cancer. You're not focusing on your health. Like this isn't about you. You're going to go help other people. And I think there's really something to that. Sometimes when we, we, you were talking a little bit about this, about how, you know, if you start to have the victim mentality and like feel bad for yourself and go inward and get depressed, it's, it's, it's harder. Whereas you, if you put that outward and focus on other things and focus on helping people and kindness and doing that, all of a sudden you're, you're not focusing on that anymore. And look, look at how it changed, you know, and, and I'm sure it had a lot to do with the science and all the things that, you know, the treatment you were going through, but there is a huge mental element there where I sometimes feel like when people get sick, we, we give them so much attention all the time and like want to dote on them that it can almost, um, be too much. And, and sometimes people just need to feel normal. They just need to feel like they're helping and they're contributing and they're, going by their life normal as normal as they can in the moment no it was actually really cool because I 100% agree with everything you just said about like you just need to be out of normal you need to feel like you're not the victim anymore 
And so when I was on that trip, it was really cool because I went to foster. I went to a foster home with little kids and I went to Peru. So it was very different. And I don't think they've ever seen a walker before. So they were so fascinated with something that I was so insecure about. I was like, wow, they want, like, it was one of those four-wheeled walkers that have that little seat. Yeah. Um, so there was one girl that I would give walker rides to, and she had a blast for it. So they just thought it was like a little playground. It's like a toy. Um, thing. Like, beep, beep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, um, that really encouraged me to do better. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is what I think of it as it's a hinder to myself, but other people, these little kids think it's a really cool playground. Like, I guess the perspective of a walker is so different for every single person. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know that those kids there were so inspiring to me. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And I think we, you know, are, we are so self-conscious sometimes about our own like insecurities and things mm -hmm. that we don't even understand that other people just don't see it because they're worried about their own insecurities too. You know, we're all doing the best we can. We all have challenges. Some people can see our challenges. Some people can't. Sometimes they're internal, but we're all battling things and we should all just be kind to each other and try to also be kind to ourselves. I think it's really important to love yourself the way you love other people. And I think just kind of hearing your story and, and hearing what you've been through and how much love you have for others and how much help you have for others, you know, it's good to remember to turn that inward because you deserve that too. And um, and I, I think you know that, but just a little nice reminder. We also want to be so supportive of the hospital you're working at. Obviously, they have incredible care and an incredible staff. So can you tell us the name of the hospital that has treated you and that you're currently working at now? Of course. Um, so it's Beaumont Children's at Corwell Health, William Beaumont University Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. All right. You heard it here. What a great hospital. Do you have any social media handles or anything if people want to come follow you or watch your story or your journey? Are you on Facebook? Or are you blogging? Are you doing anything where people can kind of um, catch up with you? My Instagram handle is mollypratt 18 um, so it's M-O-L-L-Y-P-R-A-T-T, -T, the number one and the number eight. And so if anybody wants to follow along her story or just go check her out or message her, have any questions, I'm sure she would love to, to chat with you, but you can find her there. Thank you so much for inspiring other people and for sharing your story.